This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Uh, a mutual friend reached out to me through social media saying, there's this thing happening, would you be willing to consider? I'll connect you. And I said, absolutely. I've actually been waiting for this to happen. I'm Ilana Zakon, and welcome to Culturally Jewish. Join us as we explore Jewish art, culture, and identity in Canada. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with two Canadian photographers who are raising money for Israel. Mama always wanted me to be a doctor, but I became an artist and that really shocked her. Now I'm interviewing people in the biz, pros, and newish, but all of them are artists and they're culturally Jewish. So you probably can't tell because you're not looking at us but david and i are actually sitting right next to each other in person we in are. montreal yes. and we're in david's childhood home i'm seeing for the first time if you had to describe it alana what could you say about my my bedroom right now it is on the small side mm-hmm. um it's definitely got that like carpeted you lived here for you know in the, like this house is from Probably the 70s or 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's we got like that pulling. The the closet has one of those wooden doors that's kind of like an accordion, which definitely gives away the era. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's cozy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we could fit both people in. Usually like only one person max can fit into this <laughs> tiny little shoebox of a bedroom. Um, but Alana, I, I know this feels like a loaded question, but I, I just wanted to check in again. How are you doing this week? You know, it's interesting because... I feel like the very first week that the war broke out, it was this constant low-level anxiety. And it's still there, but it almost feels like how much of my emotional energy can I take to constantly let myself think about it? And I've had to compartmentalize it slightly, even though it's impossible. Like any time that I run into someone who's Jewish, it comes up. That's Like my partner was saying, it's almost like, early pandemic like that's all everyone's talking about like it's what's on everyone's mind and and rightfully so and it's still something that comes up especially when I'm like oh am I gonna go to a space and is something gonna come up about this like in a non-Jewish space there's like a bit of that feeling and I'm going to a benefit concert um tomorrow night uh the the episode might have already come out by then um but uh all the money that's being raised goes to Magen Davida Dumps, an event happening um, in Montreal. And I'm really looking forward to that because I think music is a way that I've always really connected to being Jewish and being able to just sit in a room with hopefully lots of other Jews and just listen to Jewish and Israeli music and allow myself to feel my feelings feels like exactly what I need right now. I don't, it's almost like I've been avoiding being in certain settings. Like I, I didn't, go to the vigils even though well part of it was out of safety like I was a bit nervous when people were talking about oh what if people come and it can get attacked and nothing happened but there was a bit of that and then I think part of me was like afraid to be in those spaces to feel the weight of it almost and maybe that's what I needed in that moment and now I'm like ready to just be in this room and not have to necessarily talk about it but just feel it with the music. And I think I took advice from uh, Jordan Nachmayas last week where he sort of said, just reduce your amount of social media. And and I talked with John, my husband, about it. And he says, you just need to get off. So I think he, yes. he allowed me only 15 minutes of checking in every day what's been happening on social media. And it's quite demoralizing, but it is what it is. And I do feel better. What do you get out of uh, actually looking? Because for me, I 
I know that I would be a wreck if I'd been looking at social media. I think for me, it's important to know what people in my community are saying so that okay. I, I found some absolutely false things about it. But I think I just want to know where people are, are at today mm-hmm. and that if I can or should respond or just ignore. It. I just want to know what's going on. If but, you can handle that, then by all well, means. Well, apparently I can't handle it. So I've had <laughs> to definitely reduce it. But one of the really nice things is I was in Toronto over the weekend to celebrate my cousin's wedding. And right. I think it was it was like, this is what I need right now is to celebrate something very pro-Jewish, right? A Jewish yeah. wedding where we can, a bunch of people, Jewish and non-Jewish, can just gather around and celebrate life. And I think mm-hmm. that was a big turning point over the weekend where it's just we can we can celebrate that happening yeah. in front of us. Well, it's really interesting because in Montreal, I don't know about Toronto or Calgary, a lot of places are completely changing their programming, especially synagogues. Right. You know, and it's... Like the Siegel Center, for example, didn't change their programming. And they have the Carol King musical Beautiful right now, which David and I ran into each other at the show last night. We Randomly. We did not know that we were both going on the same night. Nope. But I was talking to some people and it was really interesting because some of them were like, you know, I can't believe that they would go through with doing this programming. Mm. But at the same time, if we're always being sad, like I said before, when do we ever get reprieve? I think it was good for, you know, I went with my grandfather last night. And it was probably really nice for him to just see like a fun nice musical show that is exactly why i went last night randomly is because i needed that reprieve i needed to see something uplifting something with music Mm -hmm. uh in a jewish setting like the siegel center that's what i needed that's why i went so i was very happy to attend that and great to see you and um your your zadie as well yeah had a little family reunion there Coming up in just a minute, I'll be speaking with Neve Shimshon, an Israeli-born photographer who now lives in Hamilton, Ontario. Last week, he kickstarted a new fundraising initiative, Photographers for Israel, which sells prints from a wide-ranging collective of Jewish and Israeli photographers, sending all the proceeds to his home country. We'll also be joined by Brant Slomovic, a photo essayist with a background in emergency medicine who's a contributor to the project. But before that, I wanted to remind everyone about this incredible event coming up in Toronto called Jewish Futures. It's a conference for the city's Jewish artists and cultural workers that explores the future of Jewish cultural and artistic life. Essentially, what this whole event is going to be about is what kind of future do we want to create together as an artistic Jewish community? How does memory inform us in the way that we're presenting our work? How do we share stories to guide our futures? So this conference is going to explore all of those questions and more with a big emphasis on networking, communal learning, exploration of Jewish and artistic identity and practices, with the goal of providing a foundation for building resilience and leadership for Toronto's Jewish cultural community. The day is going to include conversations with specialists, local artists, community building workshops and activities, and a showcase of Toronto's Jewish arts organizations. I'm going to be facilitating one of these panels, and there will be many other panels to check out. This is all taking place on Sunday, November 26th at the Prosserman JCC in Toronto. Advanced registration is required. Tickets are $36 plus fees. You can visit culturacollective.com to register. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like to get more information on this awesome event. And now, on to my conversation with Neven Brandt. Just a quick note that David couldn't join us for this one, but he'll be back afterwards with his recommendations for what to see, watch, and hear this week in the Canadian Jewish arts world. Hi. 
Hi, Neven Brandt. Thank you so much for being here today. Before we talk a bit about your project, I wanted to just do a little check-in. We did this on our last episode where we talked in the middle of all of the horrors that are going on right now in the Middle East. So, Brandt, how are you doing right now? Hey, Lana. Um, first of all, thank you for asking. Um, it's been a rough few weeks, to be completely honest. Uh, I have very deep connections uh, to what's happening in Israel. I have family. Um, I have very, very dear friends that um, a lot of those friendships were were actually made over um, the time that I was in Israel working on this uh, photo project. Uh, and I have colleagues, obviously, who are there who are, uh, who are working through all of it. So I'm in close contact and um, the news has been uh, really shattering. And to see the response that has happened in the second and third week of what's been going on is equally challenging, but uh, I, I feel supported and I, I'm talking a lot to people, which seems to help. Yeah. And how about you, Neve? Uh, for me, um, I mean, I moved uh, to Canada 10 years ago with my wife uh, and we had her two kids here, um, but all of our families and all of our friends and basically everyone we know is, uh, is in Israel. For us, October 7 was really like, there is the life before and there's the life uh, after. I mean, we talk with with our family. Uh, some of my family uh, lived in Kibbutz Arumim, where they're uh, very close to the border with Gaza. And it's it it's just a, a horrible day that uh, really turned our life uh, upside down because we are still in a point. And when I'm saying we, I'm assuming that most Jewish people in Israel and abroad still in a point of of grief, but uh, instead of just grieving, it feel like we have to protect ourselves, and we have to explain to the world what happened and explain to the world that it did happen. And um, we always felt like Canada is home to us. And now it's the first time since we are here, like 10 years, that we feel, we actually feel all the stuff that my grandparents were talking about with me, about anti-Semitism, sorry. And... Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just a very weird weird place to to be right now. Yeah, let's talk about photographers for Israel. So, Neve, can you tell me the story of how you started this project? Um, yes, we woke up uh, on October seven to discover all the horrible things that happen in Israel. Usually, when there is a a big event in Israel, I'll get like a WhatsApp from my brother, from my friends, and uh, this like by the look of the phone in the morning, you know that something big happened, and then obviously you see. All the news um, immediately. You see, everyone in the country is trying to help each other, and it 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 was very difficult for me and my wife because we know that if we hadn't have kids here, we would fly to Israel and help in any way we can. Um, so I just keep thinking in my mind, how can I help? How can I help? Um, I donated some money to my family kibbutz, but again, I'm I'm, you know, it's, there is a certain. Um, Again, this help, it's, it's, I, I felt it's, it's, it's very little. Um, and then I just thought what I can do with my photography. Um, and this uh, idea came to mind to have um, a group of photographers from Israel, which was uh, easier for me to approach because I know many photographers in mm -hmm. Israel and photographers in North America, to have uh, a print sale and all the proceeds will go um, to the, the kibbutzim survivors of the, the attack. Um, I was debating with uh, some people in Israel where you think the best is to donate the money and uh, they recommend 
uh, what we end up uh, donating the money to and um, then starting to approach photographers. Um, some of them like just told me, yeah, of course. And some of them like Brandt, I didn't know him before. And I think we formed some kind of a relationship. We, um, I, for me, because when I text someone in English, it's always take me, take me some time. So I just prefer to record voice message. And many people think it's weird, but uh, Brent was okay with it. So I felt, okay, great. I can just talk. It will be easier for me. Yeah. Uh, so we just uh, went back and forth. Um, and yeah, this is how it all began. It, it, it took some time because I had to approach the photographers to get the images and then do the website mm -hmm. and, and do the gallery. And we are still open to uh, to get more photographers on board. Okay. Just take take some time now. And just to clarify, so the money that you're raising, it's for the kibbutz movement, is that right? Yes, but it's it's not just for the kibbutz movement because there are kibbutzes all over Israel. Um, they opened uh, this special drive that basically uh, taking care of all the 23 kibbutzes uh, near the border with Gaza that were, that were affected. They're only using this money. Got it. Yeah, uh, for helping. And so, Brent, when you got that, those voice clips, how did you feel? Did you have an initial like, oh, I've been wanting to help and this is a way that I could help? Like, what was that experience like for you? Well, it's interesting because um, much like Neve, I was aware of what was happening from the moment I woke up on Saturday morning. I was getting messages uh, from friends and family. And I, I, it was a sort of similar feeling of what can I do to help um, People who know my work know I'm fairly invested in Israel and, and a, a large body of the work I had done in the past was uh, this large project and which ended up in a book um, that was published during the COVID pandemic. But so people were reaching out to me and I was reaching out to people, but there was also a fair bit of quiet and silence that was obvious. And, and I had been wondering where people were and what was happening and why was I not seeing certain things that I had seen with almost every other, not really sure what to, how to describe it, but every other world catastrophe. You, you meant catastrophe that world you felt people this. weren't speaking about it at all at that point? Like you were on social media or what do you mean specifically that you weren't seeing? A little bit of, a little bit of both. I, I was seeing a few things, but I wasn't seeing um, a community outside of Israel rally together in some form of support. And I had actually reached out to someone uh, who I know through one of the larger um, Toronto Jewish communities um, to see if there was something being organized and I just wasn't hearing about it. And at the time, nothing was really in the in the works. And then uh, a mutual friend of Neve and I reached out to me through social media saying, there's this thing happening, would you be willing to consider? I'll connect you. And I said, absolutely. I've actually been waiting for this to happen. Oh, wow. And so, Neve, how is the project doing so far? How much money have you raised? So, so far, uh, I've put it up in the air. It was uh, five days ago. And now it's starting to be the really hard job of uh, marketing. So um, we are having this uh, episode now in the podcast. I know there is supposed to be an article in Aritz. I sent them a few photos. They oh, great. Me, um, and also in Tel Avivian. Um, I... I feel that uh, I need to reach more, more uh, Jewish communities here in North America. Uh, for now, uh, we raised uh, $1,500. Uh, this is not total sale. This is just the profit that we can actually donate. Um, mm -hmm. Because some of the money goes to, um, it's uh, just part of the gallery. When somebody buy print, obviously the store gets uh, part of the... Um, part of the profit? Yeah. Got it. And what kind of response have you been getting as you've been sending out the link? Um, 
I'll go with Brant first. And even though you weren't the one to organize it, I assume you've probably been sending this out to different people. What kind of responses have you been getting? I've been getting a mix of responses. Uh, for one, I've been trying to get it out to the photography community specifically. So I've been trying to encourage uh, friends who I know who have made work in Israel or who are Israeli photographers themselves to contribute. Um, and I've also posted about it on my social media accounts. But to be frank, I haven't really said much uh, on social media. I, I don't find for me personally I feel you. a way of having a discussion, which I think this time yeah. needs more than anything. Um, 100%. And, and I think it reflects the fact that for many of us, we don't really feel comfortable, let's say, having this discussion on online or even comfortable having this discussion in person. Uh, and as the, as the time um, ticks on from the initial, you know, Saturday the 7th and the following 8th of October, um, that window for conversation seems to be closing. And so um, I'm conscious about who I'm sending the message out to. I'm reaching out to people I know personally and, and people I know who are yeah. open to having a discussion. But uh, my responses so far from a very small amount of publicity have been overwhelmingly positive. That's great. Neve, have, have you experienced that as well? The feeling of, oh, I need to be careful who I'm going to send this uh, photography website to and this project to? Or have you been a little bit more public with the initiative? So I have to say, um, like uh, me and my wife, we have, uh, I mean, she's also Israeli, so uh, for me, it's easier just to speak in Hebrew, and uh, we have a lot of conversation about it. And I told her that um, for me, the October seven, there's no other way to describe it as as, I mean, it, in English it, it it might sound harsh, but in Hebrew it's it it, it makes sense. It just feels like it's a Holocaust in our time, and I'm not allowing myself to not do something because I'm afraid of being canceled, of being I don't know what, and then something will happen. As we see now, there are so many incidents of uh, violence against um, Jewish people. But I, I do I do agree with Brent completely that Instagram and social media, it's a horrible place to have discussion. People see there only black and white. All the clips are 20 seconds. Most people um, that you're trying to approach, at least from, from my uh, um, experience, if somebody is super pro-Palestinian, he doesn't even want to talk, I'm not going to change him. But it's usually for... Yeah, um, I would say people that are are not sure what's going on. They don't have enough information, and they are open to talk. Um, I feel that uh, the response from Israel has been overwhelming positive, um, but this cell uh, was geared toward more towards uh, North America, and uh, unfortunately, I have to say that I feel that some, especially businesses, Jewish businesses here, they are afraid. To be associated with something like this because they are afraid um, again that they will lose work, they will lose business, and and I have to say I, I can understand them because it's it's livelihood of people, it's the safety of them. But I just feel that if more and more people will go in this route, we will be in even a, a worse place than we are right now. I mean, it's it's uh, overwhelming to see like colleges and universities and. And, and galleries that I've worked here in Hamilton and uh, all kinds of establishments, yeah. establishment, sorry, um, seeing it's, it's, it's not even like you just see it's like one-sided. They're not even, like Brun said, like they're 
things happen in the world that uh, I would call it like the, the 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 liberals, which I consider myself to be a liberal before what happened. Now I yeah. know where I'm standing. Um, you know, I, I, I was there with BLM and I was there with uh, every little thing that, that happened that uh, I felt that uh, it's not right. And now it just feels like I, I, I'm feeling weird because I never shared so much atrocities on my Instagram, but it's just like scream to the world, like, just look, it's out there. They filmed everything like and it's just people like, yeah, OK, but we think it's your problem. It's it's very weird. Yeah, I know. I I totally feel both of you on this. We had a panel discussion on the last episode of our podcast with three different arts workers across Canada. And we all talked about how we're feeling right now with everyone being super left wing, even though we feel like we're kind of left wing, but not that type of left wing and not knowing where to feel safe and who's really on our side, because a lot of people are very silent. I want to pivot a bit to talking about the actual gallery itself. So you you just mentioned, you know, you're posting all these atrocities and you're trying to to scream out to the world to help. Yet the pictures that you're actually selling are not war pictures. They're showing the more beautiful sides of Israel. So what was the thought process behind the type of artwork that you wanted to sell? And was there a conscious decision behind that choice? Yeah, so um, first of all, the main goal here is um, to have as money as as much possible as sorry <laughs> as much money as possible so we can actually donate the money and uh, do good so there are there is a fine line between photos that I would say oh these are amazing photos but do you want them on your wall so you have to think also in this because if I would doing an art show it might be different choices so um, right. I feel that um, if you're looking, and I think Brand will agree with me, if you're looking from a, a photographer or an artist perspective, it might be a photos that usually on a regular day, if I would uh, having a show, this is not the combination I would choose from. But um, here um, there are some people um, on the gallery that they are fine art artists and um, they are having the shows. Um, all over the world. Uh, some of them are Guggenheim fellowships. Uh, um, some of them, like Brante, published books. But some of them can be, there is a very uh, special food photographer from Israel um, that I love. There is news photographers coming from Israel. There are photographers that uh, maybe they're not, um, you know, had a show somewhere, but I just really love their work and I feel that it's um, it can just make an impact. Um, I didn't want to have in the galleries you know like horror photos this wasn't the idea to show yeah. how we are hurting i mean i think there is enough of it in the in the news and in, in the media and here because this um uh, gallery and and this website is supposed to um people sometimes they want donate money but here i think they say oh i can have a nice print but also i know mm -hmm. that the money is going uh, for for a good cause, so we just try to have uh, the more positive and beautiful side of uh, Jewish and Israeli artist uh, work. These times are really difficult for the community, and I know as an artist, it can be sometimes the only thing we can do is use our art in order to, you know, give voice to what we're feeling to raise awareness. Um, what other initiatives have you seen maybe from other artists 
that you're friends with or colleagues of yours for what's going on right now in Israel, Neve? Yeah, so I feel that um, painting and uh, sketching are both arts that um, artists can react really quickly to what happened. Um, I think uh, the best um, example for is if, if you go to um, our website to the About Us, you'll see a painting from uh, Zoyar Cherkaski. She is an Israeli painter that I really, really love. And ever since it's happened, she's just been drawing and drawing and drawing. And it's uh, her draw. I always loved her drawing, but now um, it's even, it's it just the impact is just so uh, real because I feel that in photography, most of the time you can come after the fact. And she, you know, we all uh, in Israel and, and also in North America, I'm sure, listening to uh, survivors and listening to the stories of uh, people that um, rescue many people. And basically, um, she can actually create those scenes in, in, in painting, which is beautiful. I saw um, another initiative of um, a few designers that basically they are um, had a website with a bunch of links for donation and then all of their posters, you can download them for free. Um, I saw another a uh, painter today, she, uh, people that lost loved one in the Nova uh, Music Festival or uh, in the attack, they can send her photos of the loved one and she's uh, sketching them. And she said it's more for her than for them because it's for her, it's a therapeutic way mm. of, of, of helping um, in, in any way she can. Um, I have two um, news photographers friend in Israel now that they are working um, unfortunately documenting the many funerals and documenting all the aftermath. Um, and I'm sure that, um, you know, time will, will pass before we we can see all these images and hear all these stories because uh, right now, Israeli obviously is in the middle of, of, of war and, and, and trying to basically to, to help the many people that uh, now are displaced from their home, people from the South and also people from the North now. Um, so I feel that not every um, art forum will see it right away. Some of it will probably come in the days, weeks, and years to come. Anything else that you would like to add regarding the project? Since you are, you have lots of people listening to you right now, is there anything that, that you would like them to know about your Photographers for Israel project or anything that you would like to pass on about how art can help them in this time? For me, the most important thing is that uh, people will share this uh, project just for it can reach you know as many people as possible so we can um, basically get as, as as much help that we can get uh, for the kibbutz survivors. Um, but also it doesn't have to be through uh, this project. Um, I know that I had a conversation with uh, Brent. I shared uh, some um, people that are helping uh, dogs that fled fled from the war zone in Israel and you really want to contribute. So I send him where to uh, send the money. There are so many uh, organizations now that you can uh, help. I mean, for me, it's always just checking that, you know, it's organization that uh, will actually do something with the money and it's not some big government agency that you're not sure what's going on with the money. Um, and this was part of the reason that we uh, did it away. So if, if I can share something with the listener here is, yeah, they can... Uh, help in 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 any way they can i know that um israel now uh is dealing with a shortage of um social workers 
and psychiatrists that will treat with uh, big trauma. So I feel that if there are any people that are hearing it and they can um, and they can speak Hebrew fluently, they maybe don't have to fly to Israel, but maybe they can find a way, um, again, like we did with photographers in Israel, to maybe to offer some help to people because I know it's it's going to be a big, big issue that uh, yeah. many people have experienced um, trauma that uh, most people can't even dream of. So. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. Brent, any last words to add? The only thing I would add is that I think um, I, I try and see a, a, a positive um, from everything. And I think um, I'm just going to be self-referential here, but the title of my book, uh, which is really about belonging and uh, asks the question, how far are we willing to go to find a place of belonging or a home or a tribe? Um, the title is The Cracks in Everything, and that is a line that was co-opted from a Leonard Cohen song um, called Anthem. The refrain of the song is, there's a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So I always try to look for the moments of how we can turn something from a negative into a positive. And I'll just say, uh, there's been many people who reached out to say that um, art, and specifically some of the stuff that we're showing on the website, um, Neve. Uh, spearheaded uh, photographers for, for photographers for Israel has has uh, had a, a profound effect and also has changed um, something about them specifically and I think if we could use some of this stuff um, I've always thought as an artist and an artist who makes work in a difficult place uh, that if a piece of art can act as an invitation to a conversation or for um, a softening of your previous held beliefs or even for just curiosity to come into place, then it already has a positive effect. And I'll just relate a quick story to you. Um, a friend reached out to me uh, in the last week to tell me that uh, his students at an art school in Nova Scotia had asked him if he had a book on Palestinians, a photography book on Palestinians for one of their courses. And he thought that if he was going to put out a book on Palestinians, he should probably have a book on the other side of the story. Um, when he approached the students to ask if it was okay, recognizing um, or maybe even just understanding the temperature in the room, so to speak, uh, my book was presented and was originally met with skepticism and some groans and some resistance. But over the course of time, uh, it led to a conversation um, and it led to some sort of objective, positive outcome um, in maybe what is the hardest target audience in the moment, which is the university and the education system. So. I think there's always a, a, wow. a place to make things positive and better. And I think um, not only raising money um, for the people who need it the most at this moment, but also just to have conversations and have art be a, an avenue into those spaces uh, of healing is, uh, is a powerful thing. Thank you for ending on that note. That's really powerful. I want to read your book now. <laughs> so, uh, Brent, Neve, thank you so, so much. I wish you all the best with your project. And I hope that we are all able to get the help that we need and that hopefully all of this will, will end soon. Thank you. Thanks, Lana. Pleasure to be here. Okay, Lana, what's going on in the Jewish arts world this week? So I actually found out about this while I was at the Siegel Center last night while I was looking through the program. 
I noticed that there's a one-night-only show called Go Well, A Journey Home with Morris Podbury, who is the father of uh, Allison Darcy. Who we interviewed. Who we interviewed on our very first episode. He's an amazing pioneer in the Montreal theatre community. He founded the Centaur Theatre. His wife founded Jordy Theatre, which I only found out a few months ago from Allison. Um, and he's getting up there in the years. So if you're in Montreal and get a chance to see this, it sounds like it's going to be the story of his life. Um, according to the description, it was the mid-1990s. Mandela had just become South Africa's new president. And M- Morris was inspired to return to his homeland after a 27-year career in Montreal as Centre Theatre's founding artistic director. Could he discover the country he had left so many years before? Could he make a contribution? Join us for an evening as he recounts his story. So that seems like a very interesting, one-of-a-kind event. Be sure to check that out if you're in the Montreal area. It's on November 8th at the Siegel Centre for the Performing Arts. And also in Montreal, my mom really wanted me to mention this because she went to see the documentary and she was the only person at the cinema that night. So I have to promote this. I know. So at the Montreal Jewish Public Library, they are going to present, without precedent, The Supreme Life of Rosalie Abella, November 29th at 7 p.m. at the Gelber Conference Centre. The film screening about the Supreme Court Justice Rosalie Abella will be followed by a panel discussion with Justice Rosalie Abella, the director Barry Afridge, and the producer Mark Selby. So my mom is definitely going. She's going to bring my father too. Uh, If you see them, say hello. um, And I hope they fill up all those seats there. And what's going on in Calgary these days? So in Calgary, at the beginning of November, November 4th to the 19th, it is the 23rd annual Jewish Film Festival at Beth Zedek Congregation. There's a bunch of films, including the documentary Without Precedent. That will be there. I will try to check that out. But one of the movies that I am really looking forward to is called Perfect Strangers. It is Israeli. 2021, the director is Lior Ashkenazi, very famous Israeli director. And basically, I'll give you the synopsis of Perfect Strangers. It is about seven lifelong friends with a lot of shared history and experiences, even the mutual death, a mutual death from their past. They all decide to meet for dinner and to watch a rare lunar eclipse. And then what starts out sort of as a as a nice evening of friends and food, it takes an unexpected turn when they agree to play a game. Every text message any call, any notification that they receive on their cell phones must be shared with the entire group. And I'm sure you could expect a lot of mayhem, conflict, and injury comes from that. So that is one film I will check out when I'm back in Calgary. Thank you for joining me in my house and in my childhood bedroom. It's uh, it's nice to share this with somebody. Thank you for having me. Culturally Jewish is hosted by me, David Sklar, and Ilana Zakon. We're produced and edited by Michael Freeman, and our theme music is by Sarah Siegel Lazar. We're a member of the CJN Podcast Network. To support our work and everything the CJN does, visit the cjn.ca slash donate to make a monthly donation and receive a charitable tax receipt. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.